listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I'm your host, Barnabas. And I am Samael. Welcome to episode 87. Ho, ho, ho. She didn't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to finish the song, but uh, that is probably one of the uh, more standout parts of movie that we're going to be discussing today. Sophia Takal's 2019 reimagining or re-whatever of Black Christmas. And uh, that review is going to be coming up in our main segment. We've got a lot to say about it. Uh, It's definitely a pretty controversial film right now, divisive film. But uh, we're going to be giving you guys our opinion on it. And that's all coming up a little bit later. First of all, though, it is uh, the last of our Christmas-themed episodes this year. Um, We've had some good ones talking about you know, the 2006 Black Christmas and talking about some other underrated Christmas gems. And we're rounding it out now with this one. If you guys have watched any, uh, you know, Christmas themed horror stuff this month or just in general, let us know what you've seen, uh, what you've liked. If you uh, saw anything you didn't like, whatever. But yeah, this is going to be the last of it. And then we've got a really cool episode next week. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Christmas is right around the corner. So I thought it'd be perfect. And in the spirit of being merry, got to give a shout out to actually a few people, uh, you know, our fans, of course, we can't do it without you guys. We love all of you. We've had a bunch of special guests as well. The caretaker, uh, Joe, who we featured on on the show, you know, kind of in the background, but um, all those guys. And of course, Sports Radio Detroit. Yes. And you can find Sports Radio Detroit. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, just look up SRD Sports Radio Detroit, and you can also find them on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Hi, Roger. <laughs> Hello, everybody over there at SRD. And if you guys uh, do go check out the website, you can also shop on SRD through Fanatics. We've got a kind of a cool promotion with them going on. You can buy some uh, Detroit-branded sports merchandise if you're into that kind of thing, and it does help SRD uh, out as well. So that's there if you guys are interested in that. But as always, we have to start out with the horror news. Uh, as always, there's a lot going on. There's more stuff than we had uh, room for this episode. But first of all... This one's really exciting. I'm not going to lie. As soon as I saw that name, I was like, dude. Yeah. It feels like he doesn't really show up uh, a whole lot anymore. But when he does, it's still pretty impactful. Devin Sawa... Yeah. Is going to be in a brand new movie called Death Rider. And guess what it's about? The one thing we crave, the one thing that's kind of been dying off, the one thing that people are hesitant to bring back, vampires. And it's going to be a movie where everyone in the movie is a vampire, so we won't even have to wait a heartbeat to see a vampire. Ah, I see what you did there. Ah, you see that? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm not... 
entirely sold on that aspect yet until I see more about it because we kind of had a similar movie in Daybreakers. Yeah. If you remember that where like pretty much everybody was a vampire or whatever, which was cool, but it almost kind of normalizing it in that way almost makes it like less scary. Yeah. So I'm expecting this to kind of have a little bit more of like an action twist and it is being billed as a vampire spaghetti Western and it's coming from none other than Glenn Danzig, who uh, just released the pretty controversial and mostly panned uh, Veratica, which I haven't seen yet. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm interested just in like the premise alone and Devin Sawa's casting. For me, it's Devin Sawa's casting yeah, for sure. Now he's cool. Um, I mean, he's he's kind of a cult, you know, icon at this point, and I do enjoy his acting. So yeah, but. Just the premise alone seems awesome. Everybody is a vampire. Um, that's pretty much all we know. But, yeah. He um, also said he's down to do an Idle Hand sequel. That would be sweet. Like, he said he's 1,000% down. Yeah. I would be down for any of that. <laughs> Maybe another Night of the Twister sequel, too. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I, I just want to see him, yeah, like, however old he is now, like, what, 40? Something crazy. probably, or whatever, and just still playing, like, that, uh, that basically weed addict lazy yeah fuck. <laughs> i was gonna say the ne'er-do-well stoner yeah no that would be great but that's kind of all we have uh as far as info goes on death rider but it does sound super cool and once we have more info we will let you guys know uh the article says early 2020 we might get uh some more stuff about verotica and i'm expecting we might get more information about death rider as well so uh moving on from that this next one actually is probably uh, my favorite bit of news just because I'm a Lovecraft and Cthulhu fanboy, but oh yeah, uh, apparently there are going to be some new HP Lovecraft films, particularly related to all of his monsters, um, coming from the creators of Game of Thrones. And it's going to be like, hey, what if HP Lovecraft wasn't just making it up? What if all these monsters are real? Yeah. That's the premise. It's pretty exciting, and usually when you see a lot of Lovecraft stuff, it's very, like, mind-altering, psychological kind of shit, because that's basically what goes into, like, the Lovecraft work is, you know, uh, that these monsters and gods or whatever make you go insane, and then that's when you start seeing all kinds of weird shit and stuff like that, but yeah, this is apparently going to be um, a film adaptation of a graphic novel called Lovecraft, by Hans Rodionov, which is pretty exciting. And uh, I haven't read it, but just the premise alone sounds really cool. I just want to see, like, Cthulhu. I do too, honestly. Just fucking rising out of the water in the back or something like that. We see the return of the unnameable. Yeah. Oh, that would be sick. That I don't would know. be sick. Just re- a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I really want to see Cthulhu, though, because, like, we've never really gotten, like, really a, a big time movie with him. Mm hmm. We've seen him appear in South Park, which was the best interpretation so far of yeah. him. I, I think that in maybe some movies, he's kind of there as like sort of like an Easter egg kind of a thing. But oh, yeah, yeah, there's never been a... Well, I don't know if that's true. There are a couple like Cthulhu-based movies, but I would have to actually check to see if there's like some kind of an actual representation of Cthulhu. I don't think that there is, though. It would be kind of hard to do without like, you know, massive CGI or something. Yeah, there's games with him and stuff, but... Yeah, Call of Cthulhu. And, and there's there's mention of him in The Unnameable. Yeah. But we haven't seen 
the god himself. Yeah. So I wonder if this is going to focus more on like Cthulhu or it almost kind of sounds like it's going to be some kind of goosebumps type thing where it's just like all these, you know, monsters Lovecraft monsters running wild, out, which would be sick. I'm down. But usually the Cthulhu stuff is a lot more like focus, like it follows a certain character in a certain setting and it's like a certain story. So I don't know if this one's going to be like the same way or if it is going to be that kind of ensemble type thing. We'll have to see. There really isn't much more information. I know that some people aren't particularly happy with the the Game of Thrones creators thing just because if you're not aware, like the season eight, which was the final season of that show was this whole debacle because fans were saying it's garbage and they hate it and everything because everyone died or something yeah it's just that like they didn't like the way that they took you know some characters paths and and just some writing decisions and stuff like that but i don't know i, I guess i can see where the criticism is but they also did make some good stuff too so i do have some faith in them to make this good but again it's going to really just depend i think but karen kusama is attached to this who's a pretty uh, successful filmmaker so that's cool speaking of which this next article i'm also pretty excited about and this one probably has the most like crazy fucking sounding premise out of all the movies that we've talked about um, but yorgos lanthimos who you may know from directing such disturbing <laughs> films like uh, dog tooth which you were telling me oh about my recently. god dude that shit was i don't i wouldn't classify it as horror it's like an I want to say avant-garde drama. Okay. But it is fucking disturbing. Gotcha. Yeah, I've, I've mainly... I haven't actually watched really a lot of his movies, but I have heard that he evokes some pretty fucked up imagery and just... I knew that was him when general. I read that name. Yeah, it's pretty... He's pretty popular now, but... Imagine <laughs> they wanted... What's his name to direct this first? Was it Tim Burton? Oh, yeah. That would have been wild. But that would have been wild. It probably would not have been as... <laughs> disturbing as it's going to be no. i mean tim burton has some like dark imagery with batman and you know nightmare before christmas okay you know that's it's, acceptable it's like wacky darkness it's like <laughs> it's like fantasy family movies yeah so i don't know but yoros lanthimos is officially now attached to the Hawkline monster which uh, is also an adaptation of richard brodigan's 1974 novel of the same name the Hawkline monster a gothic western interesting but the premise really is what sold me just because it fucking sounds batshit insane apparently the book tells of two hero gunslingers hired by a 15 year old girl named magic child to kill the monster that lives in ice caves under the basement of a house inhabited by a young woman named miss hawkline there's already a lot going on there um and i'm not exactly sure how I see the movie playing out yet, but it, it's a cool concept. It's different. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of good. I'm kind of worried. Cause what's his name is, you know, going to be a part of it. So like I said, dog tooth was genuinely unsettling. Okay. So this one might be a little bit more unsettling than originally intended as well. So, mm, okay. Yeah. Um, honestly, that's what makes me the most excited about it. But I do have to go back and watch uh, some of his other stuff. Like, I heard The Killing of a Sacred Deer was pretty fucked up, too. 
um have you seen dog tooth no not yet it's on my watch list okay yeah. you need to watch that soon i'm, I'm going to yeah very soon so uh, that's the hawkline monster once we have more info we'll keep you guys posted of course now we've got a few trailers and then we're going to get into uh, the meat of the show so the first trailer now all the trailers i will say kind of bear some similarities and they, they kind of resemble each other i feel like in one way or another but they all seem pretty decent the first is called the sonata releasing January 10th in theaters and on demand. And initially, this kind of seems like another, you know, possession, like, demon movie set in a big, creepy house. But uh, there is a pretty cool element which involves this uh, music, which is pretty sweet. So what did you think about this trailer? Um, The Sonata. That's the one I think out of all three of them that I was the most excited for, just because mm-hmm. of the atmosphere in it. Uh, apparently, by by playing this music, you can um, conjure and seduce the Antichrist, mm-hmm. allegedly. So I want to see what that's all about. Is the Antichrist going to make an appearance, or is this all some sort of like cult manipulation, mind control activity, and they're just trying to fuck with this like famous composer's daughter? Yeah. It is a cool concept. I, I wonder what's exactly going to happen. Uh, interesting to note, I think I think he plays the uh, the composer, but Rucker Hauer is in this movie, um, the late Rucker Hauer, one of his final uh, cinematic performances, which will be interesting to see. But uh, but that is cool. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I will say like a lot of the imagery and stuff kind of seems a little typical for me, like having watched so many of these, you know. A devil possession ghost movie set in these houses it all kind of begins to sort of blur together and look kind of the same so i hope that they do something unique enough to make this movie like stand out which is probably going to come down to what happens with like the antichrist yeah but other than that i think it looks yeah pretty solid oh yeah how about the next one yeah so the next one is uh, on a lot of people's radars right now it's coming from a24 which happily i will say is growing in popularity but uh they have a new movie coming out called saint maud and that's going to be out march 27th in limited theaters and then it's going to go to a wider release but uh this one also i don't know if the sonata is religious horror but this is definitely like a religious horror thriller for sure uh following this young caretaker who has like a super super strict and like just very powerful connection to like god and she's just very religious and people call her a saint but of course there's something wrong with her yeah clearly it's it's because movie's kind of gonna be probably about like religious extremism to an extent i guess or like some sort of psychosis and Mm -hmm. because i mean you see she was like even at one point in the trailer like torturing herself and slapping people who said god's not real and yeah and I think it just shows, like, I think it's probably meant to show, like, if someone's that deep into something, like, at least a religious belief, that, like, n- nothing really good can come of it. Yeah, it almost reminded me, it's kind of like a displacement, almost, because the way that she was, like, acting, and the way that she would, uh, was, like, prostra- prostrating herself, you know, and, and torturing herself for for your faith, and etc., is really, like, archaic to me. It reminds me of, like, you know people that we see represented in movies from like the fucking middle ages and stuff like that you know so that kind of gave me that vibe so i wonder if it's trying to say something 
about that in relation to religion or whatever. But it does seem interesting. Like the character seems very complex and I want to know what happens in this movie. Of course, A24, so I'm expecting that there's going to be some kind of wild twist probably in this film and she is jesus <laughs> that would be that would be hilarious uh and, and i'm also expecting you know that what we see in this trailer is probably not really how the movie's going to play out i'm like mid like midsummer and you know those kind of movies the trailers made it seem crazy but then when you watch the movie you're like holy fucking shit yeah so i'm i'm expecting this is probably are we going to be, be kind of the same? I thing. think it might be a little bit more extreme than what they showed in the trailer. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't think they're giving us a lot to go on right now. And I think they're going to definitely uh, surprise us. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, this next one and the last trailer is a movie that has been in the news earlier in the year. But I don't know if we ever actually covered like a trailer. But there's a full trailer out now for a Filipino horror film called Night Shift. And uh, kind of in light of the possession of Hannah Grace. Yeah. That's honestly what it reminded me of. Or uh, what's that one movie from the eight films to die for? Unrest? Okay. That's exactly what it reminded me of. There are a couple like this. I think there's one called like Autopsy or something like that. Um, uh, There's the Autopsy of Jane Doe, of course. Clearly. (laughs) But I think that there's this other movie called Autopsy or something to that effect. Autopsis, I think, is maybe what it was called. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I I saw a trailer for that one as well a minute ago. Or maybe I am thinking of Unrest. I don't know. It's it's some other one that I saw um, some time ago. I think Unrest was definitely the first one like that, though. Yeah, probably. Very similar to Unrest. Yeah. But yeah, no, this one kind of has the same vibes. It's set in a morgue, and it follows this... uh, new employee it's her first day working at the morgue and it just takes place over the course of this one night and basically the you know the dead start to kind of rise up and uh it it does seem pretty cool it seems like there's going to be some some deeper heavier stuff going on i think uh in the article it's like there's going to be a big big bad is it like death or (laughs) the devil or something like that um and there's even like trumpets i think it's supposed to be kind of like some apocalyptic you know end of the world scenario where like the dead are rising and and that kind of thing which would be i guess kind of cool a lot of like you know satan devil possession movies hint at that kind of stuff but they don't go full out with like the end of days thing yeah it's more so just like an isolated possession incident or something like that so this could be cool you know, like uh, the practical effects look pretty decent. So, yeah, atmosphere doesn't look too bad. It just seems kind of cookie cutterish. Yeah. That's my only issue. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, like I said, uh, <laughs> these three movies all kind of had some similarities because they're all like devil possession movies and stuff like that. At least this one isn't set in like a house, but it's also not set in like a unique location necessarily. So. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, there's no date for that one, but it is coming soon. I'm guessing it's going to be distributed or it's on the festival circuit or something, but um, that's going to be it for the trailers, guys. Let us know what you thought about any of the news or trailers that we covered and what you're looking forward to, but right now, uh, we're going to prepare to get into our main segment and talk about Black Christmas, but first, some words from some other SRD shows. Stick around. Hi, this is Jason Pinkham from Pucking Around and Spinning the Wheels on Sports Radio Detroit. 
Check us out every Sunday over on the SRD Hockey Feed on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. That's SRD Hockey in your search bar. New episodes every week. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Roger. And if you like Tigers baseball, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, analytics, pop culture references, movies, sports, food, check us out. Look for Tigers SRD on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Welcome back, fiends, to our main segment of the episode where we will be reviewing Sophia Tikal's 2019 adaptation of Black Christmas. Now, uh, first things first, of course, even though it does share the name, uh, this is not really Black Christmas. It is not, and I'm going to go off with a spoiler alert right at the beginning about my feelings toward the movie. Okay. I didn't like it. Okay. Like you said, it was not Black Christmas. Nothing in common with the original. The remake had more in common with the original, way more in common. Uh, What started off originally as basically the first quote-unquote home invasion movie yeah. you we could say is about a creeper that uh climbs into a sorority hides in the attic and kills off the girls one by one makes obscene phone calls and they're wondering what the hell's happening this one if you've seen the trailer you already know who the killers are so it's not really a spoiler yeah everyone knows you know the frat boys and cults and whatever the hell this one was more of a uh let's let's ruin black christmas like that's how i felt like <laughs> that's the route they took uh let's take the name and uh just so we can attract the diehard cult fans and then disappoint them um this movie was it was supposed to be important it could have it could have conveyed an implicitly important message with the importance of the Me Too movement mm. and what's going on in society because another spoiler alert, the main character was like roofied and then raped. And then, you know, she suffers some trauma as you see through her dreams and flashbacks in the movie. And then she had like the parts where she went completely into shock, like when she saw her rapist again. Yeah. And uh, this movie, you, you're rooting for them. But then the problem is the script is just so like explicit mm-hmm. that it kind of like makes the message cringy yeah like obviously the rapists need to be taken down and the rapists are protected by like the higher ups you know like you know like the white male privilege that everyone talks about so you got like the rich white frat boys and everyone believes them because you know it's hard to prove a rape like in court because like only them two were there so what kind of other physical evidence can you get it's more so he said she said but it's really important to believe people like nowadays especially if they have really nothing to gain from the accusation and if it mm-hmm. sounds legitimate i mean if a girl told me you know i was drugged and raped at a frat by these like you know white jocks i'd be like yes i believe you because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't sound far-fetched at all and uh, this movie really pushed it um with like the whole oh they they kept talking so much about let let's disassemble the patriarchy that's it's like why not use actions mm-hmm. as some sort of metaphor, as some sort of like way to convey that message instead of like speaking upon it literally, literally every 10 minutes in that movie. Yeah. And then like there was a part where like 
even one of the dudes who wasn't a rapist got mad when the rapists were called out, which I guess, like, they're trying to point out a flaw. Like, that's what men do when they're like, oh, well, not all men. And it's true, it's not all men. But, you know, if he truly was that girl's friend as well, because he's dating her friend, you know, so he should take her side. Mm -hmm. Why would he be like, well, I understand why they're mad, because guys normally don't do that. So if someone's like, oh, you know, um, these guys, you know, I was raped by this guy, and then now I'm publicizing it, I wouldn't be like, oh, no, don't publicizing it. Don't yeah. publicize it. But they were trying to make it seem like that there's always one guy that stands up for the rapists when, in fact, it's hardly ever the case. Maybe in, like, the more extreme cases, some uneducated idiot is making a remark. But uh, I felt like everything was just too heavy-handed, like, straightforward in this movie. And then the dialogue and the script and everything was just very unrealistic to the point where, like, it was very corny. It was a very corny movie. Yeah. And then uh, that part, don't mess with these sisters, like... We could have done without the one-liners, you know? You're not yeah. you're not Ash Williams, you know? Yeah. I just felt like this movie, like like I said, it was so important in this day and age with what's going on. Like, look at the Weinsteins mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Even the stuff that's happening on college campuses and, like, with, like, the rich white boys who think they can get away with anything and they got their dad's lawyers to back them up. Like, mm -hmm. even 13 Reasons Why, that was, like, the main show that, like, really catapulted, like, this movement, like, to the forefront with, like, rape and suicide and stuff but this movie just like i think they went about it the wrong way mm -hmm. not to mention imogen poots was really like the only believable actor everyone else seemed like i am acting you know what i mean yeah kind of i was gonna go more into that i'm not sure if her name is imogen poots or imogen poots i'm gonna call i'm gonna call her imogen poots because I, I think that's how you pronounce it but anyway i, I just say imogen <laughs> imogen poots um yeah i'm gonna kind of like talk to your points here because I know we both have a lot to say about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much... I completely agree with everything that you said. You know, a lot of people are going about defending this movie from criticism by being like, oh, well, you know, this is this is an important movie. This is an important message. Do you not think that this is an important message? Blah, blah. It's like, all right, so I feel like it's stupid that I even have to make this, you know, like... I have to announce this or make this public. Obviously, the message is important. Obviously, you know? yeah. There are, of course, people out there who are bigoted and misogynist and stuff who probably are going to hate this movie because it's pushing this issue to the forefront. But, you know, we, we completely understand that, that this is something that needs to be discussed. But yeah, the execution was exactly. just all wrong. We agree with the message, but the delivery yeah. was so, like, it was weak. Yeah. it was It, it was like... It was like a pseudo strong delivery. Like mm -hmm. it was attempting to make like the point strong, but it was shoved down like your throat so much every like 20 minutes in the movie mm -hmm. that it came off as like annoying. And you can't th see the thing is it was tedious, the repetitiveness. Mm -hmm. And if you repeat something annoyingly enough to someone, yeah, they're not going to care about your point. They're going to care about the way you delivered it and they're not going to listen to you. It's simple psychology. Yeah. Like if I tell you quit smoking, quit smoking, quit smoking, smoking is bad, smoking is bad. After a while, you're going to be like, fuck this guy. <laughs> How you convey your message is really important. Mm -hmm. And I'm really sad because this could have been like a good female empowerment movement movie, like the original Black Christmas, yeah. where uh, where the main main actress, you know, she, wa uh, she defended herself against the killer. Uh, and defended herself against her boyfriend. She wanted an abortion. She wasn't ready for a family. He tried to force it on her. She said no. So right there, boom, there's the there's the independence. It's a woman's body. 
it's her choice what she wants to do with the baby. And this was pretty much Black Christmas 1974. That was like the first movie, horror movie, to really touch upon a subject like that. And like this one, like it was completely different. Um, the problem was there was no subtlety in this movie. Exactly. That's that's yeah. the point. Like if you're gonna convey a message, you kind of have to do it in a slow burn way, not in really like a in your face type of way. And like I said, that's a huge problem because like now people are gonna ignore this movie, even though like the point was like in light of the Me Too movement because mm -hmm. there's all this fucked up shit going on, and people are just getting away with all this bullshit. And people will be like, oh, if you didn't like this movie, you're probably like misogynistic. No. Yeah. No, no. We liked we liked what this movie was about. The deliv delivery was extremely weak because it was just, it wasn't implicit enough. Yeah. There was not any metaphors about really anything. This movie, what it really did need was symbolism. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it was, it was barely an allegory just because it exactly. was so on the nose. And yeah, I was going to say like... <sighs> It, it's just not compelling like it's not powerful when when you're incessantly just like beaten on the head with it you know with with no subtlety and no way for you to actually emotionally connect with the characters or anything that's going on in the movie you're just kind of a passenger you know and and you're just getting blasted in the face with the message that you know at that point you you don't care about it because it's like insulting your intelligence exactly. after like after like 10 minutes of just like every other scene being about this specifically you know i was just totally thrown out of it as a movie it just didn't work as a as a horror film it just didn't work because of that you know if if they had actually written it in such a way where we're able to kind of put it together ourselves and and actually think about it and be able to experience the the emotions and everything then i think that would be a lot more powerful like i was uh, i mentioned revenge before that's a movie where really nothing is explicit really at all you see something happen you see the emotional trauma you don't really hear about it like the rape or any of that stuff and then there's the whole revenge portion and she's fighting the men and everything. And it's very powerful because you're allowed to go with the woman on her journey as she's, like, you know, seeking justice. And this one, like, right from the get-go, it's just, yeah, every other scene is is the message. And after a while, you're like, you know, I, I get it. And but, I agree. Yeah, but I just want to see how this, this, you know, ties into, like, the horror aspect and, and all of that stuff and... Yeah, it's just executed very poorly for me. And then, I mean, considering it as a horror film, it that all that stuff is just drowned out by the message to the point where I, I couldn't even really appreciate the the stalker slasher aspects. Exactly. I guess Sophia to call what what her kind of reasoning behind, you know, the whole Black Christmas thing was that like you mentioned all those things in the original, she noticed, you know, the the voyeurism and the the stalking of the women and how you know how they were treated by by all the men in that movie and everything like that uh, up until the point where the police were like hey he's in the house you know but she noticed all that stuff but you know what it, it was clear because it was done in a compelling and subtle way exactly so i don't think this movie needed the heavy-handedness i think there are some parallels like 
There are a couple voyeuristic scenes. I don't think it was enough. I don't think she completely succeeded on, you know, portraying that aspect of it. There were a couple scenes where, like, you know, she was being watched through, like, a window or whatever. Okay, but, you know, but if you're trying to use that in a subtle way to imply, you know, how women are always gawked upon by men and, and all that kind of stuff, I don't think it was successful. I think it, it could have been done in more scenes in a creepier and more effective way. And yeah, I mean, there's just, there's just a lot you can unpack with this movie, but the characters themselves, I, I barely gave a shit about Imogen, Imogen Poots was a good, you know, actor, actress, but, and she had a good performance, but I didn't really care about her character really. Yeah. You know, like we knew that she had gone through this trauma, but what else was there to her character? Yeah. Not much. All she was like, was her trauma, which is the opposite of what this Me Too movement is about. The Me Too movement is about you are not your trauma. This happened to you, and you and there needs to be justice. Mm-hmm. But this movie was just like it didn't really like dwell into her character that much. I mean, we see how she was like kind of like like that one dude that liked her, and she was like kind of like suspicious of him because mm-hmm. because of her trauma. But which like makes sense, but still, like the point is, you are not your trauma. Yeah. Like you are not what you went through. Like you went through it and it still haunts you, but it's over. You just grasping onto the past is the problem. And like she didn't even really get to she didn't even really really get to get over her past. Sure, she the rapist, he should have gotten like a stick up his ass Gaddafi style and have his fucking dick chopped off and then have salt poured into that fucking dick oh, wound. Man. Like seriously, he needed yeah. to the whole movie I'm like, I can't wait to see how this piece of fucking shit rapist dies mm-hmm. and that's what everyone wanted while you're watching this movie you hear she was raped but i like, can't wait to see this fucker die can't wait to see his head bludgeon to the point where you see brain matter yeah no I, I agree with that and it wasn't enough i mean quite frankly a lot of people's gripe with this movie as well was the pg-13 rating yeah so i mean that that definitely factors in you know the off-screen deaths and stuff like that i don't know i mean I, w- I wouldn't say that the original was extremely brutal or anything like that, but the PG-13 rating for a movie like this just doesn't make any sense. Even if you're not going to show, like, bloodshed and, and extreme gore or anything like that, even just the swearing part, like, it's not required or anything like that, but it just, it's one more thing that makes the movie unrealistic. You know, the internet talking points, all the buzzwords and phrases and all that stuff. I mean, literally just picked out every possible thing about this topic and threw it in there i don't think that's very realistic either you know the characters weren't super redeemable or really likable even the women you know they they did they felt like like game pieces to me like each one just had a role and that was really all there was to them and their entire dialogue and everything in this movie was just to hit home this point what i really didn't like is like you know you're not supposed to stereotype women, right? Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to have, you know, this is the the dummy. This is the. But this movie had exactly that. Oh yeah. The it was full of cliches. The the girl who was traumatized by a past event, the main character, the final girl, that was Emojin. And then the on the surface strong, but like on the inside scared. That was her her friend with the bow and arrow. That was yeah. like uh, these these sisters fight back or whatever the hell. Then you had the dummy. Like the real dumb friend. That's the one that got killed with like the Christmas lights in the 
in the garage. Yeah. And then you had the girl with the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was typical. It was full of cliches. I don't know if that was intentional because, you know, I there there was an attempt for some love to be paid to some of these slashers. I mean, there was that one Exorcist 3. Yeah. You remember that? There, there was that one, yeah, Easter egg kind of like throwback scene and everything. But even that felt out of place yeah. considering everything else. So you know, n- none of that really fit for me. None of that really made sense. And if that was the reasoning for all these cliches and shit, then I don't think that worked either. Because there was just a ton of them in in the dialogue and in, in the characters, you know, and just what happens in the movie. So I thought that was stupid. The whole twist like betrayed its own message. I felt like as well. So th- that just further detracted from me. When I found found that out, I, I just uh, I mean. Can we talk about some good things? I mean, I thought, you know, some of the performances were okay. Imogen Poots was good. The cinematography was mostly all right. Like, it's it, it was cinematic in a way, but there was nothing really special about it. It was just like a movie. Yeah. You know, and that's really about it. I thought that the sound design sucked. <laughs> like, there were some moments where the, the mixing was just bad. Um, yeah, and... and those are those two things are really like the only good things I can say about even this like, movie. I don't know. The color grading wasn't even riveting either. It was yeah. just like it was just some guy took a camera and was like, "All right, we're, we got this four hundred thousand dollar camera. We're just gonna record everything." And do we need a filter? Do we need lighting? No, we don't. Yeah, no. So I mean, I thought all those elements were just really either average or below average. So and and it kind of shows. I mean, the movie is a box office disaster. I think it had a budget of like five million and it made like seven and internationally a half. seven and a half million and I think less than its budget in the U.S. So total bomb. Um, and you know that's the thing you you make it so heavy handed, you make it so so explicit to where everybody's like, "Bro, this movie sucks." Critically, it's getting panned. Nobody's actually gonna even want to watch it, and then nobody's actually gonna care about the message or the fact that it is about this you know message or anything like that. So, I mean, I think it shows. I, I don't think it's a good film. But yeah, you know, and that's the thing. I, I have to approach this from a cinematic perspective as, as a film, you know, first, because that's what it is. And I don't think it works. I think it's just really a glorified PSA masquerading as a film, masquerading as Black Christmas. So uh, I, I don't think it's effective at all. I think that the intention was good. I think the message is important and should be, you know, discussed and and sh- and shown in film and talked about. But yeah, this just wasn't it. This missed the mark completely, in my opinion. Just executed poorly and as a horror film, done poorly too. Just really typical, pretty predictable plot, bad writing, and the message was just yeah, way too heavy-handed. So I I did not like it. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't figured it out, we don't like this movie. Mm-hmm. Rarely any Christmas vibes either, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Besides no, snow and Christmas lights. That's pretty much it. Like, it was literally just background decoration, pretty much. And, yeah, that was it. I mean, I guess you could argue that the original wasn't really super about Christmas or anything like that either. But, you know, I still expect there to be something. Fucking kill somebody with a candy cane. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they even had that in the 
in like the the first teaser poster was like a sharpened yeah. candy cane. Yeah, nothing really became of it. So it was really just there for for I guess for mood and backdrop, but the Christmas part wasn't really important. Unfortunately, you know, if it was, I think it may have maybe saved it a little bit, but no, not really. So that's that's I think that's all I have to say about it. I don't know if you want to, you know, say anything else, but I don't know. I just felt like it's kind of sad, like I said, because the message is so important, but it was just all up in your face to the point where it just got tedious to just sit there and even yeah. watch this movie. And I don't know, man, too explicit of a movie. Like mm-hmm. just being that explicit can ruin the movie. Yeah. Especially if it's paced so goddamn weirdly like this was. Oh, yeah, it was. We didn't even I talk like about I was that. I sitting there for fucking ever just soaking this in. And I don't think it was that long of a movie. No, it wasn't. So, yeah, that's very unfortunate. <laughs> it's crazy when, when like, the 2006 remake is better than a modern-day movie. Yeah, I think that people will definitely debate that. I honestly would probably agree with that, yeah. Because even despite all of its flaws, you know, it it still functions perfectly fine as a slasher movie. Yeah. It's a perfect slasher movie. Yeah. So I I think I would have to agree with you there. So I think it's fair to say that 2019 black Christmas is, it's really the only, my friend, uh, Brian Tyler, Woodsy toast 96 Mm -hmm. from Xbox live. He mentioned this. He's like, he's like, dude, cause I told him how I felt about it. He's like, this is going to be the first theatrical movie that you and Barnabas shit on. And it is. I yeah. I, this is the first theater so. movie, yeah. I mean, I know we haven't had the best opinions about some other movies, but, but we didn't this like one just, was... Yeah, this one was just... It completely missed the mark. Like, yeah. there's movies like The Prodigy where we found things that we liked about it. Right, yeah. But this one was like... Yeah, there wasn't really much redeemable about this one at all. Like I said, some of the cinematography was okay, but, you know, that that's about it, really. And, uh... Yeah, I don't. I don't think that this one's gonna make our our top ten list at all. No, I don't either. think it's even in my top anything. No, I mean I've been kind of ranking like you know my uh, my horror movies of this year, and this one is I think second from the bottom, only second to that Soul to Keep nonsense. I got an idea, <laughs> so it just popped into my head. Mm-hmm. You know how we're gonna have our what? We're gonna have our top ten movies of twenty nineteen. Yep. Let's have the five worst movies of twenty nineteen as well. Yeah, we can do that. Sure. Because, yeah, I've been ranking all my stuff. And, you know, next week being pretty much the end of 2019, which is insane, folks. The end of the year and the end of the decade. Of course, like last year, we have to give our top tens. So we're both going to go over our respective lists. I got it all, like, all the 2019 horror movies that I watched. I have them on Letterboxd. Now I just have to organize them. Yeah, I do too. I've been, like, organizing my list. So I have a top ten right now. But I still have to think about it. I still got to watch a few more movies before I really like lock it down. But um, that is going to be coming out next week, guys. Stay tuned for that. I know lists are always uh, an interesting thing for a lot of people. And of course, we got to talk about the year. There's been a lot of good horror. So um, that's going to be coming up next week. But let us know what you guys think about Black Christmas. If you have seen it or just kind of what you think about everything behind the movie in general um you can agree with us or not agree with us but those are our thoughts about it you can hit us up on facebook and instagram at grave discussions and twitter at grave disc srd and you can also check out the website gravediscussions.net where you can contact us listen to the latest episode and so much more 
Yes, and make sure you tune in next week where we're going to be shooting bow and arrows at lonely homeless geese. Oh, man. Only on grave discussions. <laughs> Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, by the way. This has been an SRD production.